The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to The Crowncast. And this is the Wednesday cast on Friday. Uh, and, uh, yeah, those, okay. those, those it, days don't line up. Those days don't line up. It's, it's a weird week. It's a week that changed because of an important uh, uh, interview. The Crowncast, if you haven't heard, had a chance to interview Adam Armour. That took a little bit of precedence on our Wednesday podcast. So it, we apologize for that. But we still got to get this content out for all of you. Yeah, it, it did take precedence. And we did get the chance to talk to Adam Armour. And you should go listen to that because he's a very cool guy. Uh, he is. He seems to have some wisdom beyond his years at 19 years old. Uh, he... He definitely thinks about the game in a very, you know, like established veteran sort of way. Uh, and as ever, joining me is that voice. That's Justin. Hello, Justin. That's me. Yeah, it, I will reiterate. Great interview with Adam Armour. A lot of fun to talk to him. Great young man, and uh, really excited to hear, you know, the progress he's made coming back from that terrible injury. And uh, looking forward to seeing him back out on the pitch for the crown. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, you can find out who he crowns. For the Houston game, uh, because we're not just going to tell you. You're going to have to go listen to it. You're going to have to find that out for yourself. I am going to push us into Austin, Justin. Austin, Justin? Justin, Austin? Oh, yeah. I'm going to go and push yep. us into the game versus Austin. Uh, because yeah. we have a lot to get through today. We've played a lot of the football. Uh, we're going to make some quick, quick touches here. Obviously, we lose this one, so we don't really want to talk about it. But I do think you pulled something out that we wanted to touch on earlier that was a really, really cool kind of thought that you had. You want to bring us into the midfield discussion? Yeah. So, so you know, we start this match and, you know, to sort of set the stage, this is the midweek match. So we had to fly out to Montreal, come back home after, you know, after the weekend match, play a Thursday night match against Austin here in Charlotte in 95 degree weather and incredible humidity and then get ready to fly out again for Houston this, this past weekend. Um, we looked a little dogged. We looked a little tired, but we trotted out again, the TTRTs sort of starting and then uh, uh, Jordi Alcivar coming in behind him and everything uh, as a substitute. And I got to wonder given the result that we had, given the lack of sort of energy and, and drive and focus that we had from that midfield, given the fact that, you know, we were talking before this, that, that Austin didn't look great here in Charlotte. And, and really we lost the match against Austin more than, more, more than Austin won it. We, if, if we had been sharper, if we had been better, we would have taken this. Yeah. And I think a big part of that sharpness that's missing, that was lacking uh, was was with TDRTs and Jordi Alcivar, and I've got to wonder. They get dropped for the Houston match. I've got to wonder if that's a sign of things to come. Yeah, uh, I think I think there's a couple things to say here. The first of which is Jordi Alcivar looks like he doesn't care. Um, he just, and that's a strong statement to say. But Jordi Alcivar just looks like he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to put in the work. Um, We've talked about this a, a half dozen times already, so I'm not saying anything new. But he clearly has the talent. He looks like he just doesn't want to do it. T.D. Ortiz looks like he wants to do it and looks like he has talent and just has not figured out how 
it fits in our system. You know, it, it looks like he'll work hard no matter where you put him. It's just a matter of, of how that work transitions. And ultimately, I mean, it is just that one goal in this game that, that puts us away. And it sucks to say this because it, it feels like we are saying this a fair amount. Uh, it's a really good shot. I mean, any final thoughts you want to put on that before we we kind of move Austin aside? No, I mean, you can't stop a shot that ricochets off the bottom of the crossbar and in like that. Uh, if this were hockey, it would be called the Bardowski. It's, uh, I mean, Christian Kalina only gets beat by worldies. We just happen to see a lot of worldies, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we see any more worldies than any... Well, I think we, we do see a little bit more worldies. I do think this team might tend to get scored on via worldies because that 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 now triangle of Anton Walks, Guzman Corujo, and, and Brant Bronico is so challenging for people to get through. I think that it is leaving a slight amount of space just a, on top of the box that people are saying, well, I may as well pull the shot because I'm not going to get closer than this, not safely. And so we're getting a lot of shots attempted from that area. And in my own mind, I, I'm wondering whether, you know, that's ultimately what's right. You know, we're not getting scored on a lot. We've got a pretty good defensive record. Uh, whether that is correct or whether there's something that we can be doing to shut that down. I also think that there's a point here, Justin, I think I'd like your insight on. And that is, the MLS is a long-range shooting league. Um, the MLS is a league that likes to pop shots. You know, there are very few teams that are attempting to really teamwork their way through defenses. There are a lot of teams that have just went out and found really good shooters and said, we're going to try and get you anywhere near the box the moment you get it, shoot. Have you seen that in the MLS? I mean, I do think that we tend to see a lot of these shots taken from farther away. Um, I think that some of it has to do with the physicality that you find in MLS in the box in particular. You know, we've talked before about whether or not Carol Swiderski's got the, the physical strength for it. And the big part of that is you're going to get bodied if you go in the box uh, against any of the MLS squads. So, you know, it's difficult, I think, uh, uh, you know, trying to roll up into that space um trying to to get the close shots there's not a lot of room for the kind of interplay that it honestly looks like charlotte likes to play a lot of the time the goals that derrick jones gets against new york red bull are relatively rare i feel in in mls we're seeing big bangers from outside the box mm -hmm. i would love to you know, sit down with the coaching staff at Charlotte FC. I mean, we would, I'm sure we would all love that, right? Everyone would love to just go there and ask whatever questions you wanted. But I would love to sit down with the coaching staff at Charlotte FC and just ask whether or not they feel like the top of the box is effectively defended. Because I think it is close to being effectively defended. I think we are somewhat spoiled now by how well the interior of the box is getting defended. And I, I wonder if they see that area as a a little bit of a problem child 
Um, you know, it's really only Brant right there right now, and he can't be everywhere. Um, or if they see that area as a, look, one out of every three games, somebody's going to hit a worldie. This league is going to try 13 worldies per game, and statistically, one out of 40-something, 40 40, 39, 40 of them is going to go in. Uh, that's just a really interesting thought for me. Yeah, I don't know that there's a lot to, I mean, you know, Kalina stops a lot of the, the stuff that makes it through at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so funny but, to me that we don't even talk about Christian Kalina anymore. Not because he's not, not because he's not still incredible. It's just yeah. the fact that he has reached like a nine out of 10 in every game and has not changed at all. And so we don't talk about him because he is like achieving spectacular results because he's always achieving spectacular for him. And we don't talk about him for bad stuff because he almost never has a problem. Uh, So, you know what? A little bit of recognition to Kalina, even for this game. Do we want to sort of wrap it up here? I feel like like there's a lot more interesting stuff in Houston. Yeah, I mean, going to Houston and getting three points feels a lot better than losing to Austin on a muggy Thursday night in Charlotte. I would absolutely agree. And, you know, we talked about the fact that I was saying one of these is going to happen at a time that doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, but we do get our, our first away win. Uh, and I, I think it's fair to say that Charlotte went nuts. Uh, if you were a part of the subreddit, if you were a part of uh, any of the Facebook groups, if you w- listen to any of the podcasts or watch any of the media, um, we enjoyed this one. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so let's, you know, let's set the table here. Houston is uh, bottom half of the Western Conference. You know, they're they're not one of the world beaters. For what it's worth, Austin right now, as of this recording, is second in the Western Conference. So, you know, we played a bad game against a good team and only lost by one. We played a great game against maybe not the top of MLS competition. Um, and really took Houston Dynamo apart, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like the score, this is one of those times where even though we won, the score doesn't reflect the performance, in my personal opinion. Uh, But we will sort of get to that in a little bit. I think there's one guy who we called out already in the post-match, but I'd like to dive into a little bit more. And, you know, we are very clear about the fact that when we now have interviewed Bram Veronico and this has nothing to do with favoritism. This is a monster game by Brant Bronico. This is a, I mean, he, he does come away with man of the match, which I think is well-deserved, but do we want to take a minute to appreciate, you know, what he does in this game? Are there any moments that stand out to you, Justin? I mean, he's, he is all over the place, breaking up play and, and intercepting. We'll talk about a, a little bit more, but, but, the second goal is just Bronico being smart, seeing where the passing lane was, and then removing the passing lane at just the right right time. And, you know, he's in there making the tackles. I think that, you know, somebody else that I think that we want to talk about is Anton Walks, but but that, that Bermuda Triangle that you talked about in our post-react is why we don't talk about Kalina as much, is, is because these three guys with with Bronico at the spearhead doing the most sort of left-to-right movement and covering. Um, you know, he's so incredibly important. He is 
he is the outlet. He is the the passageway through to from defense into attack. Um, and I think he benefits too from the team around him starting to settle a little bit more, starting to gel into, you know, maybe Christian Latanzio's preferred shape and preferred eleven. So. Yeah, and I mean, you you are right. We should go on to Anton Walks really quickly because I think he deserves the discussion. Um, no surprise to anybody, Anton Walks looks good. Uh, or a great surprise to all of us, the first well, game he came in. And since that time, we've all gone, yes, he's incredible. Uh, I don't Apparently think also incredibly surprising to Miguel Angel Ramirez. Oh, yeah. He, he had no idea. He had no idea that this guy was that good. Or at least I hope he had no idea that this guy was this good. Because if he knew he was this good and wasn't playing him, he's never going to get another job ever. Uh, yeah. For, for his sake, he had no idea this guy was this good. Anyway, one of the, the notes that I want to make on Anton Walks is you can tell when players are trusted. And by that, I'm not talking about whether they're trusted by the manager, right? I'm talking about whether they're trusted by the people around them. And Anton Walks has been in, what, three, four games? Yeah. And the level of trust that the team themselves put on Anton Walks is insane. It is... It is cut-their-teeth, veteran, grizzled defender levels of respect. This guy... I mean, I think we'll all agree that Guzman Carujo is one of the pillars of this team, right? Yeah, I mean, and I think, if I say anything bad about Guzman Carujo, I'll be banned from the show, so... Yeah, you will, you will not be banned from the show for saying <laughs> anything bad about anyone. Um, but I will say this, and that is, I think we are starting to see a shift where Guzman Carujo is being allowed to use a little bit more of his speed and his football IQ to perform a quasi Brant Bronico role. We are seeing this Bermuda Triangle of attacks that I, I have talked about. And Brant Bronico is a player who is very effective at seeing how the play is developing and cutting out passes. He's not the only one. Guzman Carujo is looking really good at stepping up into the play as it's developing not as high as Brant he's further back but stepping up into the play and cutting out danger with aggressive 1v1 defending aggressive uh, cutouts and reading the ball and he could not do that previously because he was the only capable defender Anton walks is here now no one is denying Anton Walks' ability to defend. He may not be the greatest defender in the history of the game. He's not Virgil van Dijk, but he is good. He is very, very solid. And you can see the respect he is getting from a pillar of this team in Guzman Carujo and from the coach and from everyone else around him that they're saying, hey, we are going to let Guzman step up a little bit and, and use his skills to intercept trouble a little higher up and leave you alone in the center of the pitch. Really, really, really big deal. Uh, I think it, it, it shows the level of capability that all of those guys have. And I think it shows if it continues working. You know, there's always the, the chance that this thing worked as a surprise and won't continue working in the future. 
if it continues working, it shows not only that Guzman Corujo has another level to his game, but that Anton Walks has another level to his game, and that their synergy allows both of them to be the best player they can be. And I love that. I love seeing that, and we saw it in the Houston game too. Justin, really, really quick. Is there anything you want to tack on to that point? I mean, you know, I think you you hit all the real highs there. Uh, Walks his coverage. What Karuha does, I think, better than anybody on the team is tackling a player on the turn. It's a it's a moment of vulnerability when a player tries to receive a pass from a, a teammate that's behind them and then turn to progress the ball upfield. There's a moment of vulnerability there, and good defenders will step in right then and just tackle the ball away. And Carujo has been doing that all up and down that sort of left-hand side of the pitch. Um, and that kind of pressure springs counterattacking uh, uh, pressure from Charlotte, Very important uh, which leads to goals. Play, yeah. Um... So one of the things that I'm going to hop over to is another game that you can play in Charlotte. For those of you who are not familiar, we are sponsored by AHA Disc Golf Shack. AHA Disc Golf Shack is a local company that supplies disc golf uh, goods, equipment, uh, baskets, discs, uh, all the things that you would need to play the game here in Charlotte. And Aaron, the gentleman who runs it, is a, is a great friend. And he has decided that if you use the Crowncast name when you go and try to acquire anything from him, he'll give you a discount. So that's pretty cool. And if you are new to the game, he will take you out into a field and he'll teach you, you know, the basics of the game. He'll help you overcome those obstacles to entering. And uh, he will get you set up with everything that you need and nothing you don't need. All, again, at a discount. And it's it's great to work with them. They're really, really good people. So if you get the chance to see AHA Disc Golf Shack, go by. Tell them the Crowncast sent you. Justin? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great company. Great sport. And this is a great town for it. So if you've never had a chance and you're looking for something to do this summer, if you're looking for something to take the kids out to do this summer, uh, absolutely. Check out Disc Golf. Check out AHA Disc Golf Shack. Uh, Go play Reedy Creek Park. Great beginner course. Fantastic beginner course. I am going to move us back into uh, BB13 uh, because I think Brant's sort of effect here deserves a little bit more notice uh i talked about that we talked about that counter-attacking option that comes from being able to pick the ball off of any attack but the most effective counter-attacks happen usually between their 18 yard box and like halfway through uh your defensive side and realistically, this is why players who have been incredibly good at picking the ball off of attackers in the midfield have done so well in other leagues across the world. If you can get the ball in the middle of the field, in the middle of the pitch, while the other team has momentum towards your goal, it is game-changing. It takes that extra second for a defense to reset. It takes that extra second for the offensive team to realize, or the previously offensive team, to realize they no longer have the ball. If you are keyed into those players, and this is part of why I call those outside players the stabilizers, if those outside players, if just one of them is keyed in to, to seeing that cutout and can make that run, you can split 
open teams. I think you can really do it here. You can really take advantage of this in the MLS where, politely spoken, defenses don't have quite the same level of speed that you can see in some of the other leagues in the world. I think Brandt is becoming a really critical part of how we attack in the fact that he is now being given the right to really go and cut out balls. I mean, Justin, are you saying this, seeing the same thing I see? Because I'm seeing a lot more shots and a lot more fun attacking play. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, to, to jump us ahead a little bit and talk uh, about the second goal that we score in Houston, Shin Yashiki's, you know, that starts because Brandt reads that passing lane, steps across, Bronica gets in the, the in the way, gets a clean interception. And this is the other thing about starting a good counterattack, and this is the other thing that, that I think that Bronico has done really well for us in the middle of the pitches. Taking the ball away from the other team is one thing. Transitioning it into attack in a timely manner is another. And if you don't link the two cleanly, then you give the other team the opportunity to drop their defense back, get back into their shape, get their coverage. Bronico takes a touch after after this interception and jets it right up there to, to Andre Shinyashiki. And, you know, Shinyashiki does some juking. Um, talked a little bit about this. Probably the the easier and theoretically higher percentage shot here is a layoff to Mackenzie Gaines. But, you know, I'm not going to knock Andre for, for getting in there and, and taking this uh, on himself. But none of it happens if you don't start out with that interception from Brant Bronico. Yeah. And, and li- like we talked about that, that critical ability to transition play while, the, while things aren't set makes the job of an attacker so much easier. And it's not the attackers who get to do that. It's the midfielders who have to to play that level of support for the rest of the team. Do we want to talk about the first goal? Because I think Kamil Yazwiak uh, deserves some praise. And I also think he deserves some questions to be asked of him. Yeah. I, um... uh, I'll go really quick here because I think you have a little bit better things to say on this than I probably do. You You know Kamil a little better than I do. When he came in, what I knew about him was that he was fast. What I have learned about Kamil is that he is aggressive. Uh, oh, and he can stop on a dime. Um, it is very <laughs> impressive to watch that guy go from full speed to just stopped. Absolutely insane, especially considering he's controlling the ball while he does it. I really like the uh, offensive, aggressive drive towards the goal that he is bringing to this team. I'm starting to wonder what is the realistic expectation we can have from Kamil in the scope of his goals and assists if he starts being a regular member of this team. Because in the modern day, it's often the wide guys who come in with goals. It's often the wide guys who come in with assists. If you look at someone who joined just recently in Andre Shinyashinki, He's got four in the league and, what, one outside of the league? Uh, yeah, I, I think, think so. I think he's got a couple of assists as well. End product matters. But how much you can terrify defenses also matter. And I think if, if this is not own gold by the defender, it's a great run by him. It's a great pass by him. And it would be a Polish 1-2 for an assist and a finish 
via Jaswiak and then Swiderski. I think that deserves to be called out and deserves praise. Beyond that, how are you feeling about Kamala Jaswiak, Justin? I mean, I think the knock was on him at Derby that his finishing wasn't great. And I think that we're seeing that again here in Charlotte. And so, you know, I understand the frustration. I feel the frustration too, right? We're looking at this and going, there are empty netters. There are sitters that should be put away by an attacker. Uh, the the feed from Swiderski over to, to Jaswiak, he's got to sink that. When he gets put in... The way he got put in by, I think it was, again, a, a Jordi Reyna pass that puts him in. Um, and he's essentially 1v1 on the keeper. He's got to do better th- with that. Like Even if it's not a, a shot in that situation, if it's a cross to Swiderski, you just can't bang a, a 1v1 like that into the side netting. Yeah. Um, he, the things he does well, though, I think he does better than other players on this team. And he provides a different uh, skill set. He provides a different positioning. He goes to the end line, which is for for newer listeners. That's the line that runs through the goal. That that's you know marks the end of the field. If the ball crosses over, it's going for a corner. We don't have a lot of other guys, especially on the other side, who want to go to the end line. We have a lot of guys. Shinyashiki on the other side wants to play at the top corner of the box. Yeah. He wants to play that inverted winger role. I think it's great that we've got a guy that likes to get in that space. I think it's great that Jordi Reyna, who, don't get me wrong, awesome pass to put it in for this first goal. Awesome pass to Jaswiak. But we don't have a lot of guys who take up that space. I think that that space also allows players like currently Harrison Awful or you know Jalen Lindsay when he gets a chance to play to occupy that top-of-the-box space and make us more dangerous on that side. All of that, I think, is the great stuff that Kamil Yozwiak brings. I would love to see the finishing get a little bit better, because if you're a part of our front three, there is an expectation that if you are put in on goal, you're going to put a chance away reasonably frequently. And thus far, and and granted, Yozwiak hasn't had the most opportunities. For whatever reason, he's another guy that didn't get a lot of minutes when MAR was here. And then, you know, we had the international break. So hopefully going forward, we'll see more out of Yezwiak. But yeah, there are deficiencies. There are benefits. Right now, I think the benefits outweigh the deficiencies personally. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really important to see is it's so obvious what you didn't have before when you when you have somebody who suddenly brings it, right? That aggression on the outside, it captivates us it's so easy to see because we didn't have it really at all before the only one who kind of brings it is Mackenzie Gaines and even he doesn't necessarily have the same like willingness to look at a defender and just try and put him on a plate I think that he tries to beat people a little bit more via his his running and his speed and his work off the ball uh it's it's very impressive to see from Kamal Yazwiak and I I am now in the point where I'm going to be looking to see how he develops in the future. He's 24. You know, he's he's going into the best years of his career. If he develops the end product, he is going to be really, really, really good for the squad. And even if he develops to be a, you know, a four to eight goal 
a year player for us, I think he's going to be a really, really good value add. You know, he may not be the the 12 goal, five assist player that that you're really hoping for. But no, but if he flips those numbers the other way, you know, which I think that is more in his wheelhouse. Would be uh, I, way as like a five goal, 12 assist player. Yeah. Oh, I can yeah, guarantee I mean, you if, that uh, Carol Swiderski would love that. <laughs> uh, well, and I would love to see Carol Swiderski on a bunch of those assists from Kamal Yozwiak. So, and, and I want to say too, that like, I love Mackenzie Gaines too on that right wing. I think there's some of the same issues with the quality of the finish for Mackenzie Gaines. I love the work rate. I love the top end speed. Mackenzie Gaines is the burner of the team. I thought Yozwiak was going to come in and be just as quick. And and it's that difference between quick and fast where like I think they're both quick. Mackenzie Gaines is incredibly quick to make a cutout late in this match and give us a shot at another goal. He goes. He does all of the work. He goes ninety yards at a dead sprint, and he is he is quick and fast, and yeah, just doesn't quite have the final product. Uh, yeah, it's it's it is fun to watch Mackenzie Gaines. Uh, I will say, I do think you know as we watched this, one of the things that we talked about was we felt it was the best. Well, actually, you know, let's let's hold that off for just a minute, and we'll get to that. Uh, I realize you don't know what that is, but in my own thought process, I want to make sure that we stay reasonably on task. And that is, we'll talk really quickly about the third goal. We kind of touched on the second goal. Really, really well done from Andre Shinyashinki. Uh The man is getting chances. He doesn't finish all of them, but he does finish a fair amount of them. And so I am not going to argue with him because, well, honestly, I don't know why I would. I like it when he scores. Uh, the The third goal... Do you want to do you want to touch on that one for us, Justin? Yeah, it's the only Houston goal. Again, it's a it is such a perfectly timed run that initially it is flagged for offside. Yeah, and this is a scooped pass, uh, just a rainbow of a pass over the top of the defense onto a perfectly timed run. And again, this is an incredibly difficult thing to defend. It's coming at a bad angle for any kind of defender because it's a scooped pass. It's not a ground ball that you can try and stick a foot in and get in the way of it. Um, if you're behind the play, if, if you know you can't get ahead to it, there's there's nothing you can do to cut this pass out. It's perfectly timed, which means that nobody can really have a shoulder on the striker or anything like that. Nobody can be in a position to cut the striker off from goal. And so... It's not the top of the box worldy, but I will say the assist pass is a worldy, mm-hmm. and it's it's then taken very well by the striker. He chests down and then and then on the half volley. Um, I think I think it's, the critical element that I can say about it is uh, I can't put a lot of fault on Christian Kalina, um, nor can I put a ton of fault on the defense. Sometimes people play well. I do feel like maybe in a perfect world, uh, that run is there's someone at least a little closer to that run to put pressure on the the tap down. Um, I don't think you get that clear behind the defense unless somebody has. I'm not going to use the words "fallen asleep," but turned off even for a half a second. But that's really really picking nits. Like in theory, maybe I could ask for something a little better, but. 
But this you one can't for me. Expect it, can you? No, this one for me is in the same category as the goal Austin scores, the goal LA Galaxy score earlier this season. You know, the the second goal uh, that Seattle score, where it's just if you are naturally at a disadvantage when you are playing defense in a football match because you're reactive, and there are just going to be times where they're just a little better and a little faster and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. You can defend it perfectly and still concede the goal. And, you know, that's, in my opinion, what happens here. I can't fault anybody for this one. Yeah, I will sort of move us along because while we do give up that goal, it's not the story of the match. Um, I think the story of the match is how much we created, how many chances we created, how good those chances were. And it will not shock anyone to know that uh, this is our highest-rated expected goals performance uh, of the season. We had an XG or an expected goals, what they say you should theoretically get, of 2.3. There's one other match we have tied that, and it was against New York when we put New York to the sword. Uh and I think we would all agree that those these two performances are the best two performances of the season. I gotta say, I'm surprised to hear it's only 2.3 xG. Yeah, I I will say one of the things that I said previously is I expected that we should be getting danger and threat from our wing people. That's kind of where the modern game sees goals. And if you look at those two or three players on the wings, if you want to count uh, Mackenzie Gaines as he comes in. Kamil Yazwiak comes away with three shots and .8 XG, meaning statistically he should have scored in this game. Yeah. I I think we all know that. I don't think that knowing the exact number associated with it tells us anything other than he probably should have scored. Obviously doesn't. Andrei Zhenyashinki comes away with four shots, two on target, and .7 XG. And a goal. And a goal, yeah. So... He should have scored. He did. Carol Swiderski, uh, you know, as the front man, comes away with 0.3 XG. And that's not great numbers by Carol Swiderski, but at least we're seeing him putting shots on again. Uh, I do think well, the effort that Carol put into this game and the way he was running, and especially, you know, if, if he gets the credit for the goal that is an own goal, if that slides through and goes to him right in front of the goal, his numbers look a lot better. But and like the the header that he attempts when it's still nil nil off the yardy ran across, it is about as perfectly taken as you can get and not score a goal. You know, it is down, it is in the corner, it's just off the wrong side of the post and out. But I love the fact that it felt like in this Houston match, he's starting to understand this is where I'm going to get hit in MLS. This is where I'm going to take the knock. This is where I'm going to have to ride out the tackle. I'm starting to get that a little more. I'm starting to be in a position and develop a willingness to do that. And so I do have some confidence that those will start coming. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and this is, I think the best performance we've seen from Carol Swiderski in a while. Oh, I would absolutely agree. I mean, I think we are going to do a bit more talk about Carol Swiderski in general, um, but I feel like he he may have won back a lot of people with his performance in this one. I have another stat for him that I think uh, speaks a little bit better about his game in total, 
and that is his expected assists. And his expected assists are 0.5 in this. Oh, and nice. We have not seen him produce assist potential really yet in the game. And what that means is he is playing together with the rest of the team. Uh, Andre Shinyashinki, we talked about him having a, a, a goal and having a really good expected goal for this game. 0. 0. 0.0. 0. 0.0 expected assist. If we go down to uh, Kamil Yazwiak, had a great offensive game, 0.8 in X, uh, XG, 0. 0.2 for expected assists. And that's not unusual. We are seeing these guys expected to be the tip of the spear, not the creative players. But what that means is in this game, we saw Carol Swiderski be both someone who was trying to score and someone who was facilitating the game and doing both of them successfully and simultaneously. And that is what you would hope to get out of an elite level in MLS striker. We are going to need to see more goals from this guy. But I think the combination of those stats shows up that he had a really good run out in this one. Justin, anything you want to, you want to tack onto these? I mean, I just want to, I do want to mention, you know, this is definitely, and and Christian Fuchs said it in the post match. We should have won this match bigger. You know, I talked about the Swiderski miss. We've talked a little bit about the Yoswiak misses. Shin Yashiki has a bad miss from a Mackenzie Gaines layoff. Mackenzie Gaines, I mentioned, has, you know, a miss. It, we should have won this one bigger. Um, I like to see that we're taking that many opportunities. I do want to see the finishing get a little bit better. Um, the last thing I really wanted to do before we wrap this one up is I do want to call out Quinn McNeil gets a chance to start. I was really excited uh, with Quinn McNeil's performance in Montreal when we were all cut down by COVID. Mm-hmm. Um I'm happy to see him get the opportunity again. We talked earlier in this pod about, you know, what does this mean for TDRTs and Jordi Alcivar going forward? And it might mean that players like Quinn McNeil and Chris Heggert and Sergio Ruiz, who also gets the start in this match, you know, these guys are going to see more time playing with hopefully, you know, Ben Bender, uh, you know, in that midfield going forward. And I think that's better because these guys seem to want to be here and seem to understand a little bit better the system that they're trying to play in. Yeah, and it's amazing how different the the attitude is that you can see between the players who who want to be playing for Charlotte FC and who now don't want to be playing for Charlotte FC. And, you know, for for everyone else, they can take that as they will. I think we are going to start to go ahead and wrap it up because I think the call-out for Quinn McNeil is deserved but is going to be the last thing we do. Uh to all of you I out got, there, oh, you want to? I got one, one last thing? thing I want to mention, real, real quick. I know we're recording this and publishing on a Friday. the The match tomorrow, you know, it's Saturday the 9th against Nashville here in the Vault. This this is the one where we get what we have been asking for. the op- The upper bowl is open. I'm looking right now on the team website. There are fifteen, sixteen dollar tickets to this match. Show up, please. Get out there. Tell the team, tell the ownership that it's better if some of the upper bowl is open. It's better if cheaper seats are available to see the squad. Go out and support them. Let's go out and, and see Nashville. Uh, hopefully we can pull out the win. You know, Nashville's a tough squad. They've got Walker Zimmerman back uh, from the U.S. men's national team. He's a beast. But let's see what we can get. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? You are 100% right that that deserves to be called out. 
all of the statements that you just said, I cannot echo highly enough. Let's show up for this team. Not that I have any doubt that the fans here in Charlotte are going to do that. So with that note, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the, uh, the time you spend with us. And we will talk to you again after we go take three more points from Nashville. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.